Hi, and welcome to NACIO Voices, where we talk all things state IT. I'm Amy Glasscock in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Matt Pincus here in Washington, D.C. Today, we'll be hearing from NACIO's own Program Director of Enterprise Architecture and Governance, Eric Sweden, on our latest NACIO Top 10 list for 2021. The pandemic has certainly resulted in some shifts on the list this year, and Eric's going to walk us through all of that. Eric, thanks so much for joining us again on NACIO Voices. Glad to be here, Amy. So, Eric, we often focus on the the negative and certainly the depressing aspects of 2020, but can you tell us something that has inspired you or made you happy during this year? Well, you know, we're all looking for that, and this has been a very unhappy, challenging year for all of us, but something that's happy, I would have to say I'm impressed with the collaboration we've experienced, state CIOs collaborating, sharing what worked, what didn't work, corporate partners stepping up in amazing ways. Just look at our website for COVID-19 resources, states helping states, sharing what works, We all pull together, you know, seeing people help other people, that makes me happy. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I know I haven't seen you or Amy uh, since our conference in Nashville last October. It's pretty crazy. But I think, you know, in in some ways, we've grown closer as a team throughout this past year. Um, And certainly, you know, in a a virtual sense, being able to, you know, communicate probably more frequently than, than we would if this was a normal year. For our listeners who may not know this, can you briefly discuss the history behind the NACIO Top 10 list and why folks should care about it? Certainly. Yeah, the Top 10 has been around for a while. The Top 10 was started by Doug Robinson, one of many very innovative things he has done. Uh, Doug started this in 2006 as a way to gauge what are the CIOs uh, caring about? You know, What do they consider their highest priority challenges, and that was all intended to provide line-of-sight direction, support, justification for anything that we work on. It's used to inform the work plan. It informs the market, our corporate partners, so everyone's pulling in the same direction. So those top 10 ballots, they list something like 40 or so issues that we ask our CIOs to review and pick a top five. It's not an easy uh, task by any means, but they rationalize all they have on their plate to determine their top five. And then we use that information. Doug and I get together and we pull together a collective top 10 uh, strategies and issues and then top 10 technologies. Now, in 2008, Matt, Doug added the technology top 10 for the same reasons. So we really have two lists And you Mm -hmm. you really need to look at the two of them together to see what the CIOs are working on. So these have become our number one most downloaded report. And it's motivated other organizations to do something similar. So the effects and the outcomes have been outstanding. So last year, we pretty much just went through the list in order. And this year, we want to do things a little bit differently. Obviously, this year has been dominated by the COVID-19 pandemic. So we're wondering, how has the pandemic influenced the top 10 this year? In some ways, I think it has accelerated things for state CIOs. So COVID-19 emphasized what state CIOs have been trying to do for some time. Remote work shows up for the first time on the technology top 10 list, and it's at priority number seven. Workforce 
shows up on the strategy's top 10 at priority number nine. So looking at the mix, a lot of these priorities from last year are still there. They've changed positions. We've had, you know, these these introductions of a couple of new things. Interestingly enough, digital government, digital services is maintaining a very high position at priority number two. But you see, last year, CIOs were already, you know, moving in that direction or trying to move in that direction. So looking at the top 10 technologies uh, and strategies, you know, I would say, again, state CIOs have seen these issues as priorities for some time, even without a national emergency or an advance of such an event. Uh, the pandemic actually opened doors, has helped remove some barriers, has accelerated a lot of things. State CIOs have seen as important issues for state government for some time. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think the things that the pandemic highlighted were things that that we had been talking about for a couple of years, but it, as you said, accelerated them. So I'm also wondering, what's an example of something that was on the list several years ago that we aren't seeing anymore? And what are some topics that we have seen recently for the first time? Well, for the first time, again, I would say uh, remote workforce on the technology list and then uh, workforce, which is a bigger topic on the strategy list. Uh, those are the those are the new entrances to the top 10. But, uh, you know, Doug and I look at that ballot every year, too, and we look at it with you and others on our NASU staff to say, is there anything we should remove? You know, we went back and looked to see, well, what's not showing up? And disaster recovery, business continuity, the last time that was on the list was 2016. Doesn't mean it goes away, but it's not on the top 10 list. FirstNet, interoperable na- nationwide public safety broadband network, that was on the list last in 2014. Healthcare, that was on the list uh, last time was uh, 2014. How about this one, Amy? Portal. We used to talk about portals. Uh, We don't seem to talk about that or use that word much, but that was described portal, maturing the state portal, e-government, single view of the customer citizen, emphasis on citizen interaction, self-service, accessibility. That was last on the list in 2012. And then how about this one, Amy? Green IT, 2009. We even did a video on that topic, but Mm -hmm. you know we don't see that anymore. So these are a few of the old priorities. And keep in mind, state CIOs actually vote for their top five out of that list of, boy, something like 40 plus things we put in front of them. And then we use that top five to come up with the top 10. So the ballot actually shows a very broad portfolio for the state CIOs. But again, like we're talking here, these are the top 10. Right. Yeah. Um, it's curious that disaster recovery business continuity was not on there because I feel like we've said that term so many times this year mm-hmm. as it related to the pandemic. But right. Maybe people are just thinking of the pandemic as something separate. They might be. And then the other thing is uh, state CIOs have been working on that for some time. But this has, uh, I think more than anything else, what this national emergency is testing is network and accessibility. We've had to broaden the security ecosystem and the network ecosystem quite a bit. Well, you know, one thing that is always at the top of state CIOs and, and state CISOs' mind is uh, cybersecurity. And unsurprisingly, Eric, security and risk management remains at the top of the list again. Can you talk about the threat environment facing state CIOs and why it continues to be so daunting? You know, maybe discuss, you know, how the ongoing pandemic has impacted the security environment. 
Well, security and risk management has been a priority, as you stated, Matt, for some time. It's always in the top 10 list. It's always in the top three. And then it has been in the uh, top uh, number one position for the last something like six years, way back, starting in uh, 2014. It was at number one. Yeah, this is a tough one for all of us, uh, certainly within state government, industry, all of us as citizens. You know, it's daunting and only expected to get worse. CrowdStrike Intelligence uh, is investigating possible collaboration between sophisticated e-crime adversaries and state-sponsored targeted intrusions. So there's a collaboration and an organization going on on the side of the attackers that continues to get more and more sophisticated. So the advent of remote work, Matt, that brings with it challenges, scale Mm -hmm. of challenges we've never seen in past. Enterprise security, you know, that whole ecosystem has expanded and creates a challenge for security monitoring of communications platforms, mobile devices, networks, data sharing, identity management, home computers. So we all have to be more cybersecurity savvy. Criminal, cyber criminal groups are the attempt to take advantage of vulnerable employees unfamiliar with uh, networks and that type of thing. So continues to get worse, Matt. You know, the one thing that, that always sticks out to us is cybersecurity and dedicated cyber funding has been one of our top advocacy priorities at the federal level. Yep. And we talk about states that are really only budgeting about 3% mm-hmm. of their overall IT spend. And, you know, we pointed out just how paltry that is compared to what federal agencies are spending on on cyber. I think, you know, our concern, obviously, and, and maybe you can, you know, shed some light on this is the budgetary outlook for state governments, you know, over the next few years, because of the pandemic, it seems hard for me to believe that more states are going to budget even additional resources on, on cyber. I think your forecast is probably correct, Matt. And Michael Leahy has brought this up as well, that budget, cost control, IT investment, that's a high priority. But he said that's going to be an ongoing priority for the next few years subsequent to COVID. So as co-chair of our Enterprise Architecture and Governance Committee, he's tasked us to focus on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is going to be an ongoing uh, challenge, less available funding. And it's, and it's even a more important priority. Maybe this is a case where, in fact, we need more assistance from the federal government and uh, more collaboration across the states, although they are already doing a superb job of collaborating. Uh, it's an ongoing challenge. I think it's going to take all of us to figure out how to address it, Matt. Certainly. And you did mention our good friend and avid NASIO Voices listener, Mike Leahy, the the CIO in the state of Maryland. Eric, uh, data management and analytics moved up the list from three years at priority number eight to now number six for 2021. Can you talk about that and why it's so important for state CIOs? We've made a point for a number of years about the idea of insight enabling analytics feeding decision-making. So I believe it's rising in importance. Uh, It touches everything else. Data management feeds the analytics. The analytics provides insights to decision-making. The decision-making determines policy, budget allocations, essentially everything on that top 10 list. And the issues on the ballot, you know, the 40-plus items that show up on that ballot we put in front of our state CIOs, they all require analytics. 
We make this point in our series titled, Do You Think or Do You Know? When making budget decisions, where to cut, where to invest, those decisions must be based on good analysis. That's the why question. Uh, Again, Mike Leahy has made this point as co-chair of our EA committee. Let's look at the four forces and how the impact can be leveraged to address what is now priority number five for 2021, was number six for 2020, budget, cost control, and fiscal management. Where do we cut and where do we invest? There must be a justifiable business case for everything we do in state government. And then the analytics provides the insights for essentially every issue on that list. For example, cybersecurity. Accompanying our cyber disruption planning guide, we published a report on advanced cyber analytics. And the emphasis is also exemplified by the number of states that now have in place a chief data officer. So, Eric, let's talk about another item that has been a priority for state CIOs, but certainly probably no more important than it has become this year, and that's been broadband. So can you talk about how states have organized the broadband office and maybe give us a couple examples of some innovative things that state CIOs are doing with broadband? Glad to do that, Matt. Yes, broadband's managed in a variety of ways. It's not always led from the state CIO's office. For our 2020 annual survey, we see 23% of our state CIOs responded to this question. What role does the state CIO play in a state's broadband strategy? Mm-hmm. 23% said leading. 73% said member of the statewide team involved in strategic planning. So number of issues here, you know, uh, again, like cybersecurity funding, uh, we're looking at the digital divide in rural areas, accessibility, affordability, mapping. Pew Charitable Trusts presents a variety of organizational models in their uh, report they did. Authority varies across the states. Some states have a broadband office established by statutes, some by executive order, and then the organizational location varies across the states. You know, like we say, you see one state, you've seen one state. (laughs) Some states like Tennessee have a dedicated broadband office. Minnesota has a broadband development initiative within its Department of Employment and Economic Development. Wisconsin put their broadband office in the Public Service Commission. Colorado is an example of a broadband office itself inside the Governor's Office of Information Technology, but it is coordinated with the Department of Regulatory Affairs and the Department of Local Affairs. So they're they're all different, Matt. So I guess the point that you're making is there's really you know no right way to run a broadband office and where it should be located, but certainly states are all experiencing to some degree, at some similar degree or varying degree, the same issues with affordability and access and, and mapping. And just before we move on to the next question, can you just explain a little bit generally what the main issues are with the mapping? Part of the issue is how we define coverage. For instance, uh, State of Georgia Broadband Deployment Initiative, Mm -hmm. which is one of the most impressive things we've seen. They have a broadband availability map, and it presents a very high level of precision regarding broadband access. It involves location-level methods for expertly mapping the availability of broadband services to every location, homes, businesses across the state. 
And that's for 159 counties, so well over 5 million locations. Wow. They also defined what they mean by access. And they, uh, state of Georgia defines it this way, a minimum of 25 megabytes per second coming down and three megabytes per second going up. So when 20% of the locations in a census block cannot subscribe to that level of service, the entire census block is deemed unserved. Mm. That information helps direct planning and investment. And this is the data and the analytics to provide insight, enable decision-making back to priority number six, data management and analytics. Tennessee Broadband Accessibility Grant Program is another example, you know, where they're trying to determine, you know, we've got $45 million available in grants and tax credits over a three-year period. How do we allocate those funds? And so they've also used a good uh, leverage of GIS and this kind of thing to determine where they'll put those funds. Great. So our listeners can look at the nasio.org website in our resource center to find the full list of the nasio top 10 and we also have a press release right at the front of our website but we're not quite finished because eric we want to welcome you back for your second time doing the lightning round so let's get started the pandemic has obviously been tough for everyone and unfortunately really hard for some people but once the pandemic's over, what's something you hope doesn't go back to normal in your life? That's a good question, Amy. You know, and I think uh, going back to some things Matt had said earlier, collaboration and partnering, motivation for helping others, joining up to address issues and opportunities, working together, mutual support like we've seen from uh, everyone across the states in our corporate partners, fostering understanding patience, tolerance, supporting each other, a more friendly attitude. How about more consciousness about public health? You know, we've had plans in place for years on how to address these kinds of events. Let's practice those. I think international cooperation, solid science and analytics. Let's go back to that uh, data management and analytics. I think this is important as well. Openness to share data and share the analysis and challenge it. So when we say we have so many cases, we ask, well, how are you defining cases? You know, it's going back to like the broadband uh, issue. How do we define coverage? Well, how do we define cases? Uh, What's the threshold of your testing? And don't be uh, threatened when someone asks that. Just present the data and let's work together on how do we interpret? How do we go forward? So what are the rates for false positives, false negatives? Show me the analysis. It's really an awareness of analytics. I want to see the evidence. I think this kind of an attitude, I hope, continues. I want to understand the science and the analytics. So getting all of the input, you know, everybody working together, going in one direction. You know, one of the values I've seen with uh, inclusion is to expand the meaning, to bring in the full portfolio of viewpoints, why people have those viewpoints, and taking all of that in to ensure we have the right solutions and we're all going in the same direction. So we're always going to have issues and problems and opportunities, Amy. But if we all work together, you know, if we can kind of sustain that attitude and perception, you know, I hope that continues and I hope it, I hope it increases. Yeah, good answers. And I can't help but think too, from a staff level, 
since we're all remote, so you, Eric, and Matt are our two remote NASIO employees. And now that we're all sort of from home and doing everything online, it's kind of leveled the playing field. Do you guys feel that way? Like, you know, the rest of us aren't in the office talking all the time? <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I think you understand what Matt and I are doing. And you could see just, you know, it works quite well, actually. Yeah. Yeah, we've all gotten used to it. Okay. Question two, Eric, you've been to a lot of NASIO conferences over the years. What is one of your favorite NASIO conference cities? You know, you're right. I have been at a lot of these and they're a bit of a blur, you know, over all the years, Amy. But I think of certain memorable things. Nashville was great from a personal perspective. Uh, just a little personal item. You know, I play guitar. Well, I grew up on Chet Atkins. I learned to play guitar from his albums. I used to use my lawn mowing income to buy every album I could lay my hands on. And after some period of total wonderment and what he did on those recordings, I'd finally get down to try to analyze and learn from these 33 long playing albums. I'd put my finger on the turntable and slow them down. Well, in Nashville, they put his guitars on display mm. at the Country Music Hall of Fame. And seeing those guitars up close was a real event for me. I shared that with other people and they didn't get it. <laughs> but for me, <laughs> for me, it was a big deal. And uh, I just really appreciated that, uh, that opportunity. Yeah, that's a great museum. And we've had the chance to, at least since I've been with NASIO, we've been there twice now and um, we've gotten to go to the Country Music Hall of Fame twice. Fun yeah, so cool. Yeah. Okay. And then final question. You've been with NASIO longer than anyone on staff. What's kept you at NASIO all these years? That is a question I get asked. I think the best way to describe how I feel about NASIO is mission, possibly duty, you know, we've been serving our country, our states, our citizens in a close-knit team at NASIO. And with our state CIOs, their staff, our corporate partners, our relationships with other associations, this is a place where you can make a difference. And what we do with our lives matters. So making your life matter, make it matter for others. All these years, I feel we've been serving our country with other people who feel the same way. And NASIO staff, both of you, the rest of the team, it's the greatest team I've ever had the privilege to serve with. Mm -hmm. A collegial, close, supportive NASIO team. These amazing state CIOs and amazing corporate partners, leadership from one of the world greats, Doug Robinson. So this whole NASIO ecosystem and AMR management services, there's really nothing like it on the planet, Amy. That's why I stay here. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Yeah. And Eric, I, I have to say, we always appreciate your positivity. It, it is something that is certainly drew me to you from first day I started at NASIO. And you always, um, you know, I think I'm one of the newer members of the team, but you always make me feel welcome and um, an integral part of the team. And I thank you for that in, a, in all seriousness. So I also want to say that, you know, you are, and Amy, correct me if I'm wrong, the first returning guest that we've had on the podcast in a little bit over than a year that we've been doing this, you know, NASIO Voices. Um, you are wrong because you had Emily twice. <laughs> oh, d all right. Well, I can't say that. <laughs> okay. All right. We're going to have to edit that out. You'll have to edit that out. <laughs> we'll have oh, to edit I've that been out. wanting to put a bleep in, so let's just keep it. <laughs> anyway, sorry sorry to Emily, but I, I, you know, it is always a pleasure to talk with you, Eric. And oh, it's, it is likewise. You know, I just really appreciate you two so much. 
Uh, this was very good of you to have me back. I'm always glad. You know, I used to do radio. We so can tell. I uh, appreciate what you two are doing, but I, I feel privileged to be included on this. I love NASIO Voices, and I love you guys. Oh, Thank you, Eric. Rick. The feeling is mutual, my friend. Yes. All right. Well, we will talk to you soon, as always. Okay, everybody. Have a good morning. Bye. Thanks again for listening to NASIO Voices. We'll put a link to the NASIO 2021 Top 10 list in our show notes. We'll be back in just one week with an interview with our very own Executive Director, Doug Robinson, with a look back at 2020 and our theme, From Dumpster Fire to Stories That Inspire. You won't want to miss it. In the meantime, subscribe, rate, and review us. Thanks. Bye-bye.